0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emmerich, CPA with Parmelson Associates. So just want to say first and foremost, happy Memorial Day and especially a thank you to all the men and women that have sacrificed so much for our country. But on a holiday rooted in remembering the past, it made me think about how valuable it is to reflect on the good times and the bad times of our own businesses and to learn what we can do for the future. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Promotive has over 40 years of recruiting and automotive experience. If you're in need of qualified technicians and service advisors and want to offload the heavy lifting, visit gopromotive.com. Don't get caught up in the past, look to the future, you know, don't get stuck looking in the rearview mirror. These are all pieces of advice that we've always received and you've probably heard a lot, right? No one likes to dwell in the past or kind of get down on themselves. A lot of people think we just ignore that and move on. But what do we learn from that, right? Self-reflection is not always something that's going to be enjoyable, but a lot of times needs to happen whether or not it is. And no one likes to get hung up in the past, but there's some big issues there when it comes to financials and choosing to kind of ignore the good and bad times of our past. So the first issue is this is exactly what financials are almost always supposed to be looking at, right? A period or date in the past that we're looking at. Maybe it's a quarter, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year, but financials are always done in a historical nature. You know, we do have projections that are forward looking, but how do we build our projections? We are projecting future performance based on past results. Again, yes, this is something in the future, but all the information, all of the assumptions are coming from what we've already done. Financials really serve to give you two major things. And I tell this to my clients all the time. Whenever you're looking at financials, you're looking for two things. First is, how did we do? I am looking on past performance. Do we do well? Do we do okay? Do we do great? All of those different things can tell me different things. And what that is going to tell me is, all right, if we did well, what changes do I need to make in the future that I can replicate this success? If we did average then we say, okay, what could we have done better to make it a great month? And then obviously, lastly, hey, we had a terrible month. What do we need to change or do we even need to change anything? What can I learn from this so we don't repeat the same mistake time and time again? Now, another thing about financials is I know how easy it is to dismiss a bad month, a bad quarter, or even a bad year, right? Ignorance is bliss. And sometimes it's just easier to move on and look forward or blame your accountant, right? Hey, what does Hunt know? These financials are junk. There's no way I lost money. Instead of actually looking at the root cause of the actual issue, hey, we had a bad month and here's what happened. ARO fell, close rate wasn't there, quotes went down, technician on vacation, had a one-time expense, had an audit had an accident at the shop, had a snowstorm that didn't allow my customers come in there. There is so, so, so much that we can learn. And right, even those examples I just kind of rattled off through there, there's a lot of things that we can gain from all of those. Hey, we had a snowstorm. Okay, it happens. I didn't ask for the snowstorm. I can't stop a future one. So am I going to get that hung up on having a bad month? No, and we're going to talk about that here in the first example that just because it doesn't look good doesn't necessarily mean that we need to overreact and try to make changes. You know, a lot of times I think that we have this, you know, maybe hubris or maybe hope that, hey, everything that we have or don't have is in our control. When in actuality, there's a lot of things that we cannot control, right? We can't make a car break. We can't make a car actually drive itself and show up for an appointment. Maybe someday we will, but there is so many variables to the equation and not all of them are something that are actually internal, or maybe they're even internal, but maybe it's not something that we can actually change. And what I want to talk about now is how reflecting on the past is actually a great tool to evaluate this. Not to see also what you did, but also how protection will ultimately work out. These are all the examples of how I go down through financials. And that's one of the really important things about doing this podcast is just kind of unpacking of, all right, Hunt. If this happens, how do you look at this, right? When you start looking at financials and be like, hey, I would probably look at this. Like this is kind of the number that is sticking out to me. And how did I come up with that conclusion, right? And a lot of times I need to slow down myself because fortunately, unfortunately for me, I look at this stuff all day, every day, right? And so usually just looking at it pretty quickly, I can scan down through and say, hey, I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, but here's where it is, right? Here are the clues that are telling me that. And what it actually is, is a little bit deeper than that, right? I'm going down through this, but I can almost kind of pick and choose where to look at because I know common problem areas, right? It's no different than you. Maybe you're, you know, turn wrenches in the past. If you had, you know, a 2002 Chrysler come up with a no start issue, you probably had a couple of things of, hey, I'm going to look for this. I'm going to look at a crank position sensor or whatever it might be because you've been doing this, right? It's almost second nature to you. And what I'm going to try to do here is say, hey, here's what we look at. Here's how we judge this. And most importantly, now, once we're judging this, what do we do with this information? But the first example I want to talk about is one that I use probably the most, I would say, especially looking at past financial results of, hey, what are you going back and looking at 22 for? What are you going back and even looking at 21 for right now? Why does that have any kind of bearing on what we're doing today? So I was just doing this with a client today, and we were talking about their sales or gross profit targets for their team. Sales and gross profit targets are always somewhat of a game of estimates. And this business is fairly simple here. We're selling parts and labor, but gross profit is not a linear curve as it relates to sales. Right. And this is why it's so hard. If you're saying, hey, I'm at 50 percent margin at $50,000 in sales It's going to be a hope. It's going to be a guess. It's going to be an estimate that we're going to maintain or not increase that margin if we double our sales and go to 100,000. But Hunt, what do you mean by this, right? If I sell more, I'm going to make more money. And that should follow a logical path. So really, the biggest three things here are going to be parts, labor and overhead. These are where we have variables. These are where things kind of go wonky and where we have some of those months. And you probably had this in the past where, hey, sales are looking a certain way. Bottom line doesn't. Why did our sales go up and our bottom line did not go up or even sometimes went down? The big ones, you know, and the first one I always generally look at is, you know, parts and labor. Parts and labor are the two biggest drivers, also the two biggest places where you could have some high levels of variability as well there too. But if we look at parts, the big thing I'm looking at parts is, all right, what were our margins? How does that compare to what we've done in the past, right? So a great example of this would be if you're going to sell a $50 part, you're probably going to mark that up to, let's just say hundred bucks, right? Maybe even more, maybe a little bit less, but just hang with me here. Now that's about a 50% margin and a hundred percent markup. Now flash forward to saying, Hey, you had to put a new long block in a car. Long block from the dealer was going to be $10,000 more power to you, but I highly doubt you're going to sell that same part at $20,000. And so here is a prime example is when we're doing projections and stuff like this, we're estimating the same bag of goods. If we have a month at $50,000, we're going to have that same job just twice of them at $100,000 when in actuality, that's just not the case. Maybe if you want to have a month where it's doing $120,000, which is more than you guys generally ever do, maybe your parts margin is actually lower for those months. Because in the past, if we go back and we look at this and we say, hey, what were our months where we hit 120,000? We noticed that all of those months actually had lower margins because we probably had a transmission job, an engine job, a rear end job. That's all fine, right? It's, I'm not here to say you need to make 50% margin on all jobs, but that's going to help us make a realistic expectation here. If we are doing these projections, I can't factor this high of gross profit because I know if my sales are going to be that high probably going to be taking some lower margin jobs. Still going to be a good gross profit dollar, still can make this work, but I need to make sure that my projections and my forecast are based on reality, and what better way to judge reality than to actually see what we've done firsthand. Another one is, you know, probably more common, right? Even for a lot of my shops, you know, a ton of my shops don't do heavy line stuff, right? So they don't see this monstrous swing in uh, gross profit, never very consistent on their parts labor is almost always the exact opposite because labor is so dependent on the efficiency of the team and this doesn't matter if you're salary hourly or even flat rate and what i mean by that is this let's say that you have someone that is a salary employee they're going to cost you thousand dollars a week whether they bill you one hour or they bill you 100. so in a situation where you have salary hourly employees the more they sell the higher profitability you're going to have too because if you think about it, let's say that they bill you $2,000 worth of work, you're going to be making about 50% gross profit if they're going to cost you 1000 bucks. $2,000 in sales, $1,000 in cost, $1,000 in gross profit, 50% margin. Now, let's use that same exact technician, but say, hey, they blew it out of the water and they actually billed me $4,000 this week. So that $1,000 cost is still there. But instead of it having $1,000 of gross profit, we now see $3,000 in gross profit, right? We're making about 75% margin. And so here's a case where sometimes, and a lot of times, if I'm doing this forecasting, I leave labor alone. And I say, you know what? This is a conservative estimate because I'm expecting the gross profit to be this. If you hit this desired sales target, right, assuming it's a higher number that we're shooting for. I would imagine that your gross profit is actually going to get even better on labor. So it's probably going to be a better than expected outcome. And whenever I'm doing forecasts, whenever I'm doing projections, break-even analysis, sales targets, I'm always, always, always going to go conservative, right? I would much rather say, hey, I thought that the break-even or I thought I could hit my desired profit level at this sales number and be shocked that actually I made more money than I would have expected than the opposite. Right, because if we're doing this target, we're probably sharing it with the team. How is that going to look if you go to the team and say, guys, we need to hit this number, gross profit, sales, whatever it is. And then the team hits that number and they say, boss, we did what you asked us to do. Now you're still pissed off. Why? Well, you know what? I tried to look at this with rose colored glasses and was ignoring some stuff here. And actually this projection's not even enough. Now I got to go back to you and say, guys, I set a goal for you and immediately I ripped that goal away and I set a new one, right? We don't want to do that. Make sure you're conservative. Napatrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice and having a local representation is a huge plus. Customizing Tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, our representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business with a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Tracks was designed and built for shop owners just like you. This is on the web at napatrax.com. That's n-a-p-a-t-r-a-c-s.com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive. On the web at gopromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shop that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit gopromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. The last one on here is, you know, talking about of sales not being linear or directly related to gross profit. In this case, net profit would be your overhead. Just like a technician that is on salary, your overhead is there whether you do 100000 in sales or zero sales. Landlord doesn't care. Utility bill might fluctuate a little bit, but probably not that much. Insurance, you name it. This stuff is still there no matter what. So if you're looking at this and you're saying, all right, just as much as this can really hurt you in a low sales month, again, just like labor. If we see this increase in sales, you actually see a pretty drastic spike in profitability because our overhead is already covered. We already have enough gross profit dollars to cover our overhead. So every other gross profit dollar is not getting split between me and my overhead, it's just going right to profit. Again, increasing profitability higher than what we expect, but just like I talked about with labor, don't factor that in when you're doing projections. Conservative, conservative, conservative. So how I would use this? We were talking about a theoretical target. We got a changing team, we got a little bit of changing dynamic and you know, the overall layout of the shop and roles and responsibilities but just kind of checking in, we'd set some targets in the past on it and we'd had a good bit of changes. So just wanted to kind of check in, get some updated, look at some new overhead numbers and just make sure that the target that we we're setting for this team was realistic. So the basic idea of this was taking a look at the historical past of what his recent overhead has been. Right, we hadn't looked at this in probably about eight or nine months. And with inflation, as high as it's been, had to get one inflation in here in this episode. Wanted to check out and see what his costs were, right? And obviously, just like everyone else, his costs had increased, so that means his target has increased as well. But the number that we came up with is, I think, was about 56 dollars $58,000 in overhead for the month. And for this analysis, we were just looking at a break-even, right? Like, what is the bare minimum that we need to do just to kind of keep the lights on, take a reasonable salary for the owner, et cetera, et cetera. So again, conservative on this. I don't do rough numbers. I always try to round this. So if I'm looking at 58000 round it up. Hey, we need 60000 in gross profit to break even. Now, the big issue and why it's so important to use this client's past performance on this is his gross profit and really margins in general vary a ton. Just this last month, we did double the sales in the month prior because he had so many bigger tickets, $50,000, dollars $80,000 builds, that have these monstrous spike in profitabilities. And so we'll see a month where he loses $40,000 and then the next month he'll make $100,000, right? Depending on timing and stuff like that. On a side note, we've been working and working and working to try and smooth that out, not only for our own analysis, but also it can be kind of a cash flow issue and you know can kind of be a little bit weird doing technicians pay with the stuff getting carried over. But using past performance is so important for him just because of this variability. So based on the previous gross profit margins and stuff like that, we're estimated about $140,000 in sales to hit this. We looked at this year, his gross profit was much higher than it was last year, right? We had this monstrous sales, but a lot of those costs were actually already incurred in 2022 when these jobs were started, right? Some of these were six, eight, 12-month projects. So the cost is always going to be kind of overinflated for him. He's always buying stuff before he's getting paid and posting the sales on this. But we'd worked out the margins on this and we said, hey, this should be about $140,000 in sales. I think that that's probably going to give you about a break even." Now, the good thing for my client is this number that we were shooting for, as far as an average, might be you know, a little bit above normal, but he's hit these numbers in the past. And so the biggest thing that we were using for him is we were taking a look at this and we were saying, all right, we think $140,000 hypothetically is going to be what your break even target is. You've hit that a pretty close to that a couple of times in you know, recent history here. Let's go back and take a look at those months to see if this actually worked out to be the case. So sure enough, we look back and I would say over the last year, we probably had about three months that were there pretty darn close there that we could kind of analyze this. So let's say that I'm going and I'm taking a look at this and I'm saying, all right, $140,000 should be about break even for me. So I find a month, or in this case, hopefully a couple months, right? The more information we have is going to be the better here. But I take a look at this and I say, all right, $140,000. That should be about break even. Like I said, I go conservative. So honestly, I want to see a couple thousand dollars in profit there. That'll make me feel good. So I look at one month, a couple thousand in profit, great. Look at another month, a couple thousand in profit. Hey, you know what? Maybe this is pretty good. On the other hand, I take a look at the last month on there, and it was actually a little bit higher. It was like 142 or 143, and he'd lost like15,000 dollars. And so I was looking at this and I said, "Hang on a second. Did we miss the mark because this is also the oldest time frame, right? So it's like, what changed between now and then? And really the big thing that you're looking at there is gross profit and overhead, right? Did we make the profit margins and something else is going on? Or maybe our overhead was drastically different than what we're expecting for the future. So in his case on there, you know, I looked at gross profit and it jumped out pretty quickly, right? His parts gross profit for that month was like at 10% or something silly like that. It was extremely low. So once I factored it in there and said, hey, you know what? This is probably pain, you know, maybe it was your race car, maybe it was you buying legitimate parts for a future job, whatever it was, this does not make sense. If I rerun these numbers and put what we actually have been expecting or averaging in parts gross profit, again, this third month works out like everything else. Now, let's say that your overhead is off. And if this is the farthest date out in the past, I'm going to put the least amount of emphasis on this. The more recent is going to be more probably indicative of what we're expecting for the future. But again, we still need to ask questions and we need to still understand why. Are we missing something here? Or is something, you know, a little bit different and we have a very good reason for that. Prime example of something like this would be taking a look at this and saying, all right, we didn't make as much money. Sales were right there. Gross profit was exactly right. So that must mean our overhead was higher. And again, if this is the most recent month on it, then maybe I'm looking at this and if I don't see any numbers drastically out of normal, then I say, maybe this is our overhead. You're expecting your overhead to be 58,000. But according to this, it's probably going to be more like sixty-five to 67,000 on average. Those are kind of lower months. And this is really the new normal. And we need to update and we need to take a look at this and update our projections accordingly on this. Now, another time where something is not necessarily what we expect, But again, not necessarily something we need to worry about that much is maybe at a one-time expense, right? The big one on there is like property taxes or maybe a worker's comp audit or something like that. Man, why is this $15,000 loss for a month that should have been about a break even? And I go down and look at the overhead and notice the overhead is higher than normal. And I go down and look at my different expense line items there and I notice, oh man, look at my tax expense. Generally, my tax expense is virtually nothing. A couple bucks here, some registration. For this month, it was $17,500. That makes perfect sense. Of course, we didn't break even on a month where our overhead was $17,000 higher than normal. But again, it does not mean that we need to change our projections. Hey, our projections are sound. We know that the property tax is gonna hit one time of the year. Now, should we factor that in? Yeah, hey, you know what? Didn't even think about property tax. I'm not going to add 17,000 to this because that's for an entire year. But when I'm looking at this and I have 58,000 as my current overhead, again, that's why I round this stuff up to 60. That's going to factor in a little bit every single month, only going to pay that property tax one time throughout the year. So the biggest thing on this one is don't look at the confirmation bias. Don't look at one number and say, hey, this is exactly as I expected. Perfect, I'm a genius and move on, right? Because maybe the other three that you look at Tell a complete opposite story, right? So many times people are just looking for the answer that they want to hear, which is maybe not the answer that you need to hear. How else can we use this, right? And really the biggest two other ways that we can use this is to analyze bad months and to also analyze good months. Really, it's the same idea, just kind of in the inverse form. But since I know people are probably less likely to be wanting to look at their bad month, here is my spiel on why you need to look at the bad times. Don't need to live in the past. Don't need to harp on, you know, oh, poor me. But we need to look at them. And I get it. Sometimes it's easier to just say your accountant's an idiot and the financial's all wrong than actually stare at this dark, ugly financials. But these are sometimes where we learn the most. Again, remember, what are financials meant to do? How did we do? And what do we do now with this information? So the biggest thing I'm going to look at this if I have a bad month is, first and foremost, does this make sense? Can I conceptualize why this happened? Did I see this in the shop? Did I see clues of this? Do I have, you know, kind of reasonings where these numbers should not look good and I should not be surprised? So the first thing is always, hey, is something not right? Do I have, you know, maybe my bank account hasn't been reconciled. Maybe my bookkeeper is duplicating stuff. Maybe I bought a piece of equipment they put under small tools when it should be on fixed asset. Obviously, everyone wants to look at this and say, hey, it's a misclassification issue, It is rare, but it does happen. Look for the outliers. Look for something that doesn't look right because, hey, maybe you're getting all bent out of shape for something that is simple as just a simple error or mistake here or there. Another thing is, is maybe the numbers look bad, but they're not necessarily wrong. A one-time thing that has happened. Like we talked about before, you know, weather, audits, you know, lawsuits. This looks bad, but we know why. I know that this was you know, going on. I know we had higher expenses. Or I know that our sales were crippled. Of course, this looks bad, right? And in those situations, we don't need to look any deeper on this. We don't need to say the sky is falling and change our process and procedures. We understand what's going on. We understand why it happened. We don't expect it to happen again in the future. So we've learned what we need to learn. We've understood this. We can now move on. Now, what if you don't know why? Everything was fine. We had the normal team there, but still, what happened? Where are we off and why? And this is the big thing that we need to start looking at. I'm going to go back to what we've talked about in the past of the 50 30 20 rule. 50% gross profit, overhead 30% or less of our sales gives us a 20% net. Now, obviously, if we're judging this, it means we probably did not make a 20% net and we probably did not make a net at all. So we need to either be looking at our expenses and our gross profit on this. So expenses, what are we looking for? If we didn't make that much money, they're either higher than normal or relatively higher than normal, right? And we'll get into that in a second. And on the gross profit side of things, again, fairly simple, right? We're selling parts and labor. So either one or both of those was lower than expected. Can we answer why? So I was talking to this client and like I said, we didn't have a great month for one of their shops. And I was talking to my client saying, hey, of course it doesn't look good, but the previous conversation we've been having was how stressful it's been, right? They lost a couple key technicians. They hired some new people. They didn't work out. And really the entire month was a revolving door where they never had a consistent team for more than maybe two or three days at a time. And so I sat down and I said, look at this. Yeah, this looks like crap, but of course it is. Look at all the stuff that you guys went to. And I said, honestly, for all of what you went through... I had an idea of what I thought your numbers were going to look like, and I was pleasantly surprised, right? For how much stuff that you guys went through, this is a pretty, I'm not super unhappy with this. Yeah, we lost money, but probably not as much as we should have, you know, with all the turnover and all the headaches that you have. So we looked at this month and we said, okay, this happened, but this is not endemic, right? This is not going to be something that we're going to expect for the future. I got a good team in place. I got the right people in the right shoes. And this month is already starting off great and it's going to turn out to be a pretty good month. So again, if you could have just said, hey, that was a personnel issue, or if you just said, hey, that's a bad month, I'm never going to think about it. In this case, there was nothing to draw from it, right? Just because it was bad doesn't mean you necessarily, the sky is falling, you need to change something, but you always need to understand or be able to answer the why. We know the what, do you make money, do you not make money, always got to answer the why as well. On the other hand, though, what if you had a bad month and there was no outside influence? Same team, same everything, good weather. I just had a bad month. So what do I look at and where do we do? So I don't start the bottom line, right? Because we've already been there. Bottom line is looking bad. You're losing money. So naturally, we go all the way up to the top. And I always, always, always look at sales first. Because if I see a good sales month, meaning higher than the average, I would expect the bottom line to be higher than the average and then start unpacking why it's not. However, on the same flip side, though, if you have a below average or a significantly below average sales month, a lot of times that's the end of it right there. Hey, we did not make any money, but our sales were 40% lower than what they normally are. Of course, this looks like crap, right? We've built a business that needs $100,000 in sales. We only did $60,000 in sales. You can't really pivot fast enough to offset that much in sales decrease. There's other industries, there's other stuff of, hey, sales are down, so let's make it even more profitable. There's only so much that you can mark this stuff up and still get these jobs sold. And I'll give you a pretty extreme example here. So let's say that you're doing about $100,000 in sales at 50% margin. It's about 50 grand in gross profit, which is not too bad at all. Let's say that your sales dropped off 40% and you only did $60,000 in sales. But somehow you're miraculously able to increase your margins by 10% and run about a 60% gross profit margin. This is probably virtually, I should say virtually impossible. There's a lot of situations that this could happen, but it's fairly uncommon. And even in this situation, if you're able to decrease your sales and increase your gross profit percentage, you're still only left with $36,000 of gross profit. It's just too much of a sales decrease to overcome and just pricing on this. And also, if your sales are down, you can't cut your overhead. You can't just say, hey, you know what? I'm not paying rent this month. I'm not paying my health insurance. I'm not paying my utilities. That's just not how this works. Now, again, you know we're starting from the top. So we're looking at the sales. And if we see sales are above or sales are below, wherever it is, in this case, it's always going to be below, then that's probably going to be the answer of it. Now, could there be other compounding issues? Sure. But hey, if sales were down there, a lot of times we don't go any further. All right. Why were the sales down? That's the kind of stuff that I'm looking at. And like I said, if there's no, hey, I got a new service advisor, my service advisor was out, you know, we got a new shop management software. If everything was the same, then I'm probably going to sit down and talk to my service advisor. Hey, what went on here, right? What was our ARO like? What was our car count? What was our average quote? What was our close ratio on this? What happened here? And again, sometimes it's out of our control. Boss, phone just wasn't ringing, man. It's People didn't come in. Close rate was still the same. Quotes were still good. We just didn't have the cars coming in there, right? And then what does that say to you? Hey, my job is to get cars through the door. If I can't get cars through my door for my team, we can't sell anything. We don't make any money. So if I'm looking at that and I'm saying, hey, my team did all of the right things. Now, again, this is the hardest part. This is self-reflection. I need to do some advertising. I need to get some cars in the door so that we can make some money here. Now, on the flip side, maybe it is something on their side of things. Car count was good. Quotes were fine. But ARO was way down. Hey, why aren't we closing this stuff? What are we doing? Are we not spending enough time on this? Do we need to do some training on this? Because we're seeing consistent declining in sales. And all of this is stemming from ARO unpack this stuff, look at the numbers even deeper, right? If you look at sales, you can unpack sales, parts, labor, ARO, car count, you name it. There's so many different things that you can dive into to understand why, but also just talking to the team. Do you know why? What can we do to not have this happen again in the past? What can we change? What can I change? What can a team change? Let's say sales are okay, but the numbers still don't look good. The next thing I'm obviously looking at is gross profit. Right? Hey, we had an about an average sales month or maybe even above average, but net profits still look bad. Let's take a look at our parts margin. Ooh, you know what? We averaged about 50% in the past. Sure enough, this much was 35%. Right? There's no classification issues. We just sold some stuff at lower margins. I'm gonna look at that. I'm gonna see if there's a reason why. Again, if I look at this and see a couple big heavy line jobs on this or larger projects that we knew about. Hey, guys, it is what it is. We know that we're not going to have this lower margin every single month, but we kind of have an artificially high sales because it wasn't as profitable as we expected. Also, I'm looking to see of, hey, are we discounting stuff? Hey, there wasn't any heavy line stuff. This was all normal jobs. But we just recognized the lower margin. Right? Do we have an issue? Do we have a theft issue? Maybe I got people just giving away the farm and discounting off all of our profit here. And the other side of it, Labor. If sales are good, then generally the labor gross profit should be good as well. But maybe you change the pay plan, right? And it didn't work out what you expected. Maybe you have some personnel changeover. So you were actually paying multiple people for maybe a lower level of production. Again, if I'm looking at this, I'm saying, is this something that I can reasonably justify? Or is this something where I need to go back to my team and say, hey, guys, I need some more hours out of you. Productivity is too low. My gross profit is not high enough on this. So I need you guys to focus on the hours to make sure that we can be efficient here because efficiency is the key to profitability. Lastly on this, sales are good. Gross profit is good, right? Parts, labor, sales, everything looks good. I'm gonna look at my expenses. So my expenses here have to be higher than expected if sales and gross profit are as expected. Two big things is, is this the new normal or is this a one-time event? right? And so new normal is, hey, did you get a new location? Rent and overhead is going to be higher than your old location on this. So this is what we're expecting. We need to update our expectations accordingly. No longer takes 30 grand to keep the lights on. It takes more like 50,000 and we need to shift our focus and our targets accordingly. Now, this is also something that we see in somewhat of a smaller, more gradual thing. But if you haven't kind of looked at this in a while, how much has inflation really affected your business? take a look at your business. And this is hard because if you haven't changed anything or scaled drastically, of course, it's going to change. But look at your overhead in January of 2020 versus today. It's probably up 30, 40 percent, even if you, quote unquote, have the same exact business just because of inflation numbers. Right. So if that is the case, then we need to update this. Right. We need to take a look and say, all right, This is higher than we expected. So one number we thought was good before just doesn't work anymore. 100,000 just won't cut it. My new overhead target, I need to be doing about 120 just to get enough gross profit to cover this new amount. And lastly on this of, hey, one-time expense, right? Had that audit, had that lawsuit, had to shell out 15 grand, but I'm not gonna freak out. Hey, it looks bad, I lost money. I'm not gonna have to pay that $15,000 next month, the following month, hopefully ever again. But again, we can answer the why, we understand this, and we know how to not hopefully make the same mistakes again. Now, lastly on here, I want to kind of go down through of a good month. And, you know, like I kind of alluded to before, I'm essentially saying the exact same stuff in a bad month, just the opposite, but a little bit different tweaks on this as well, too. And sometimes I get it. It's just as easy to dismiss a good month, whether you don't want to get your hopes up or think that you're the world's smartest business owner. So why would you need to look at it anymore? You are printing money, right? Why are we going to dwell on this? Well, we're going to follow our similar path here, really. And it's just the exact opposite of a bad month. But again, we're still starting with sales, looking at gross profit, looking expenses. So we knew our profit was high. First things first, look at the sales. If you see your sales are 20 to 30% higher, then of course, you're going to see a higher than expected profit. But again, I'm going to talk to my team. Hey, what did we do? Why is our ARO so much higher? What techniques, what did you do that really worked? How can we replicate this? Hey, car count was really good. What advertising were we doing this month? What mailers were we using? What ads were we running that was actually getting people in the door and spending money with this stuff? I'm just talking to the team. Hey, internally, what were you guys doing? Did you guys change your workflow? You know, was the service advisor dispatching work better? Hey, we had a really good month here, so I want to spend as much time as I possibly can learning stuff of, hey, what can I use to try to use again in the future? Hey, just like we were talking about before, there is some stuff that has not worked in the past. We see these bad months. We say, well, not going to do that again. Not going to do that job. Not going to do it this way. Same exact opposite thing here. Hey, this was really good. What did we do that led to our success? And what can we try to do again in the future to replicate this success? Again, if let's say sales are as expected, that means that gross profit is higher than normal. And again, first thing I'm always looking for is making sure I'm doing a sanity check here, right? And I've done this in the past where I've seen stuff where it's like, whoa, sales are fine. Gross profit is exponentially higher, which is leading to this crazy 35, 40% net. So I take a look at gross profit and I don't see any payroll on there. What the heck happened here? Uh, I got a small shop, right? Had two guys, let them both go. I just was wrenching the entire month. So gross profit is going to look exponentially high. the owner was driving all of the sales, his payroll is already factored down in overhead. So he had no labor cost. And so it's going to look exponentially high. So we say, while this is good, this is also something that is not going to be expected in the future. You started a business to hopefully get away from working in it every single day and being kind of tied to the business. So it's not realistic to expect this stuff in the future. Again, also, sometimes you have missing parts invoices. Man, I did not make 75% gross profit on parts. There's just no way. Oh, I forgot to enter my world pack bill. Now, again, what happens if the labor gross profit is just really high? Probably means that productivity was high, too. Hey, what worked? How were you guys able to be this productive? What can we do? What process and procedures can we put into place so we kind of keep up this kind of success? And same thing on gross profit on parts. Hey, maybe we updated the margin. Maybe we messed around with how we do some canned jobs and stuff like this. Guys, it really worked out well in the numbers. So whatever we did, keep on doing it and let's try to do more of it. And again, lastly on this, just like we were talking about before, expenses. If we are having a better than expected or a good month, then that means our expenses probably came down lower than normal if sales and gross profit were the same. So is this the new normal, right? Hey, I was expecting to be at 60,000, but we've kind of gotten a little bit leaner. We've chinned out some subscriptions. We've gotten rid of some advertising. It just wasn't working. So now our overhead is actually 10, 15% lower. Hey, it's great. I understand this. And maybe I'm going to reduce my sales target, but probably not. But I'm going to know in the back of my mind, hey, a number that I used to break even on, I'm now going to be profitable. Now, This is a very rare situation, right? I almost never see people with decreasing overhead because of inflation, because of naturally how people scale the business. It's not that common. A lot of times what's more common if it's strictly due to overhead, it's a timing issue. Missing charges, maybe you don't have any rent this month, right, and since rent is one of your larger expenses, hey, maybe you wrote a check on April 1st and April 30th, but that April 30th one was really your May rent payment. Now, May looks drastically high because you have no rent for May because it was kind of double dipped in April. It's looking higher than normal. Once I factor in this rent, it's actually just as expected. But again, I can answer the why. You might be missing something here, which could be the clues to everything. And not to say it's going to burst your bubble, but yeah, it's going to. Don't think you're the world's best business over. This is unrealistic expectation on it. You had a great month, but it maybe wasn't as good as you thought. So at the end of the day, we cannot forget our past, no matter how much we sometimes want to. But also learning from our past, we can not only hope to avoid the same mistakes, but also replicate and focus on the things that have brought us success in the past. If it worked for us in the past, keep doing it until it no longer works for us in the future. So as always, please share it with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the AftermarketRadioNetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Happy Memorial Day. Thanks again to all the veterans out there. Stay safe, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.